Raw Tough. Nothing much. Welcome to uh, the podcast, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. What podcast would that be? It's Project A Plus. I'm Hunter. You're Hugh. Been a minute. Actually, probably hasn't because I, I probably edit these episodes. Uh, one big marathon session, just like release them all at once, mm. so you can binge listen. I don't know. Probably not going to do that. No, you got to space them out. But I might edit a bunch and then release them like weekly, even though mm. we're recording them fortnightly. Yeah, yeah. We could uh, bank up the whole series and then release it weekly. Banky up, if you will. Banky up, yeah. Yeah, I could um, bank up the whole series. It would, it would make us seem like an efficient podcasting machine for a brief window of time, despite the fact we recorded these episodes over a span of six months. Doing that would give us a big uh, gap in which to record the next some of the next season. So. That's right. I guess that's a smart way of recording podcasts. Yeah. We should think in seasons more. Yeah. I mean, we basically do already. Well, we do on our sister pod, for Christ's sake. Mmm. <laughs> can't wait to get back on that horse. Okay, I'm just going to take the gun out of the my bag real quick. Mm-hmm. Where are you putting it? In my mouth? <laughs> On my oh, dick? <laughs> um. Man, you should have seen the boys last night. There was this, like, soup, as they call it. Is that, is that, we're not talking about TV. Who, uh, whose power is like Ant-Man's power. So we mm. can shrink down. Um, and he's a bit of a decadent. He jumps a guy's dick or something. Yeah, he jumps, he jumps down some guy's dick. And then, um, it's you know, it's consensual. Because the guy goes beforehand, while they're both normal size, he goes, I want you inside me. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, he's an Ant-Man, and he's going to jump into his dick, and he does, with a big CGI urethra. Um, and uh, But he accidentally sneezes while he's inside the penis, and he goes back to big size and explodes the guy in half. Wow, so edgy, so cool. Wasn't there a story about how they made an actual, like, urethra set? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It just looked CGI to me. Maybe they did. <laughs> well, that's 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 the way they shoot it. It doesn't really matter if they use practical effects or not anymore. Uh, I think the interior might well have been a set, but the exterior didn't mm. didn't be. look that way to me. So could be because the interior was just like a flesh tone. Hey, you know what? We're not fucking talking about this shit. What shit? The boys? We're not. This is not a boys yeah. pod. You can save it for when we institute our you know your boys segment. <laughs> <laughs> you and the boys. Yeah, you and the boys. <laughs> no, it's gonna be a Jackie pod, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not. I'm not gonna do the Marvel segment this week either because I couldn't be bothered. So Jeez. next next week, <laughs> next time, next time. Uh, this, this this podcast is really gonna level up when we have a MCU segment and a the boys segment. <laughs> yeah, you have to go back and watch it again just to keep pace. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to that. <laughs> I can talk watch. about every episode that I've already watched. It doesn't have to be the episode I just watched. I can go yeah, back but you, to the you to, you to, okay, yeah. what happened. If, if you do it as a as a um, segment, you have to agree to watch all the spinoffs. <laughs> all right, deal. <laughs> I'm, still I'm still losing. I'm still losing. I couldn't imagine yeah. anything worse than watching an animated one. There is yeah, an animated yeah. one. It's already been released, still. Jesus Christ. Is there going to be another live-action spin-off? Yeah, dude. I already sent you the fucking thing. Did you even read the stuff I sent you? Did you? No. What is it? It said, it said like, the vote college or something like that. Okay, what, what are you ruffling around? Some chips. What are you eating? Some, Some chips. chips. Jesus Christ, it's not for Christ's sake. This is the professional podcast. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Okay. Anyway, eat while I'm monologuing or something. You're monologuing right now. Well, not when you interject. You should be not eating. What? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, welcome to Project A Plus. Have you been my co-host friend? Well, it's been been a long couple of weeks. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, because you've just moved. Well, 
all the way out of your apartment into another apartment within the same apartment complex. Which would have been fine normally, but it was complicated by the fact that my fiance was um, tested positive for COVID, which means I, I never tested positive, but I also had to quarantine. It means that instead of having like six people help us move, it was just the two of us. Mm. So that was that was a pain. It was tiring. And then, yeah, fair enough. And then I worked. Oh. How is your job going? Pretty well. <laughs> I actually have kind of a funny story I'd, uh, I want to sh- share on the show. Yeah, go for it. So today I was working at the like buy counter where we like you know buy books from people or movies or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. dog shit they want to bring us. And there's this guy who came in and I didn't I didn't see the first part. My coworker who like handed it off to me was like, you know Hunter when <laughs> this guy was bringing us his record collection he said it was almost like uh, putting his dog down. <laughs> and I was like oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and it was some really good stuff like it was a lot of like. Um, you know, pretty good pressings of like the Rolling Stones and, and Beatles. And they're all in like really nice condition. Like they didn't have too many scratches or anything like that. Did he want some quick cash or something? Uh, it didn't seem like that. It kind of seemed like his wife was putting it up to a, a little bit. He was like an older guy. I'd say maybe right. like 60s. Um, anyway, so it took us it took us forever to do it because unlike bucks, which are pretty easy to determine the value of, especially if they're newer, where you could just like scan the... Um, uh, what do you call it? The ISBN. Yeah. And, it, and it'll, you know, show you exactly what which book it is. Records do not have the same standardized system, so it can be really difficult to like determine which pressing stuff is. And that based on like like some of them do have barcodes, which makes it easy. Like the newer newer pressings will will have those. But, you know, older ones, it's just like you have to go about what's pressed on the vinyl itself, which is oftentimes like a long string of numbers. So you just have to type them in. Like, and there's, again, there's a bunch of different pressings. There's not, like, a standardized, like, format that they're put into. And some of them can be much greater value depending on what the pressing is, right? Yeah. So it took, it took like, an hour and a half. And I, was, I finally finished. You know, he got, like, I don't know, like, 150 bucks or something like that. Um, and he's, after I was like, oh, you know, hey, man, so we can do 120 or 150 bucks or whatever. He was like... Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that that uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can get something back from him. And and then he was like, oh, it's almost like saying goodbye to a bunch of old friends. <laughs> and I was like, dude, mm. <laughs> I thought that was really depressing. <laughs> and uh, it made me kind of feel like I was looking into my future, or I'm selling by a Blu-ray. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you use like Discogs or something, or is there another yeah, Discogs system? Yeah. Well. That's that's what we will generally use if we can't find something because like if something like the, like the Beatles, you know, they've, they all the records have like a million pressings, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to it's our our system is generally what we use to determine the value of it because you know we base off what we've been able to price stuff off and what we've been able to sell them at, you know. Yeah. But if we can't find it on in our system, we use Discogs as like the mm-hmm. main resource. Um. Yeah. Well, that was that was fun. It did make you feel kind of sad. <laughs> but you know, I've got some work stories too. Mm. Okay, I was gonna get my chips out so I can crunch while you <laughs> while you talk for a while. I I had I got into this kind of big argument with the head chef uh, about a particular food safety protocol. So um, he told me, so what? one of the things we, that we supply to the stores is like some slices, which are confectionery slices, like a lemon slice or muesli slice um, that they put in their little displays at the, at the shop fronts. And um, we don't prepare them in-house. I literally just order them from another supplier. It comes in and then we stick it in the tub or whatever for the delivery driver to take it to the stores and then they sell it and there's like a small margin of profit there i guess obviously much much lower than uh the, the produce that we make ourselves but um because it lasts a couple of weeks because it's 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 a sweet item so it's it's shelf stable 
um, the, the best before date is usually a couple of weeks. So I usually order it fresh and just cycle through the supplies. Um, and sometimes it's used for catering jobs. Uh, like they make platters for corporate catering. And that's something that the head chef and that side of the, the business usually handles. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the head chef just freezes a lot of the slices and then takes them out of the freezer when, when he needs to make a platter and defrosts them. And uh, he started to get like a big sort of backlog of frozen slices uh, that he wanted to get through. And he, so he told me to stop ordering them fresh from the supplier and start using them from the freezer, which is, which is fine. Um, but like whoever was freezing them, um, I'm assuming he was probably one of the people who was freezing them, if not the only person, they didn't label anything. So they just stuck them in the freezer with no indication of when it was actually frozen. Right. Uh-huh. So you've got no idea about actually how the, how long the product has left once you defrost it. You've got the original use by date, but without the date of when it was frozen, you don't know if it was frozen like the day before it was about to expire or on the first day of the two-week period uh, that it had left. And, you, and we have to label stuff that we give to the shops because they have to have some sort of guidelines about what they can supply to the public and how long it's good for. So I, I queried that with him. I was like, um, you know, some of these are labelled the day before it was about to expire, like someone stuck it in the freezer. <laughs> like that's not really much good to like defrost it and just give it that remaining day yeah. that they're going to try and sell it at the shops. And I was like, but the rest of them don't have like any date on them whatsoever, except for the original use by date, which is already passed. Mm-hmm. So what am I supposed to do with these? Like how, how do I know if these weren't also, um, frozen the day before it was going to expire or even after the expiry date for all I know. And um, he was like, no, no, the way it works is with these items, anything you defrost out of the freezer, you give it an extra four days regardless. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, if it's been in the freezer, once it's defrost, it's good for another four days. And I said, but what if it was frozen the day before it was about to expire? He's like, yeah, that's fine. You take it out. It's good for another four days. I was like, well, how does that make sense? Like, what, what do you mean it's good for another four days? Is you've, you, all you do when you freeze an item is you stall the, the development of harmful bacteria. But you're just, stop, you're just stalling that process. And once it's defrosted, it just resumes exactly where it was before right? You don't get bonus time by freezing stuff. Otherwise you could just keep freezing things forever. And, and he was like, no, no, you can. There's like some, there's some, uh, sheet that they printed out for us here that says anything that's been defrosted is good for another four days. (laughs) I was like, that doesn't, I was, I was, I was like getting like red face, like going, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) We, and we had in, uh, attended. That's so fucking stupid. We had attended a course by one of these Hassett peoples that we we hired as a consultant. So this was paid for by the company, and he did a presentation where one of the main points was: if you freeze something, you, it doesn't give you extra time once it's defrosted. You're yeah. just stopping. So if something was about to expire in one day, and you freeze it and then defrost it six months later, it just has one day left. Like, it was a really clear example. I think he was, the, the same head chef was at the um, meeting, although he wasn't the head chef at the time. Uh, that was a clear thing that was indicated. And even if that wasn't uh, part of our training, it's it's only logical, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you don't I'll get like a obviously. other four days. <laughs> So I was having this giant argument. I was like, I was like, no disrespect. I'm sorry, but that that just doesn't make sense. Like, there's there's no logic to that. And then he said, but then what would be the point of freezing it on the last day, like right before it's about to expire? And I said, exactly. There's no point oh, freezing it right before it's about to expire. Like that's why you just don't bother. You just throw it out or whatever. Or if you know you can use it within a day after it it's defrosted, that's fine. But otherwise, you just don't do it. I think after you put it in your two weeks, you should make a 
uh, noted to the like public health department, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on my last day, I'll publish an expose. But yeah, that's my story. That's a good, that's a good one. Uh, what are we doing on the show today? We've got a, a, a banger of an episode out of us. Am I right, Gio? A banger? Wow. Yeah. For our main feature, we're going to talk about a movie called The Parallax View, which is your choice. Was it? It was. I'm pro-choice. <laughs> but this was your choice to make us watch The Parallax View. Mm-hmm. Then, after that, we're going to watch, or we already watched, we're going to talk about our next two Kevin Smith films, uh, his attempt to say goodbye to his old style, and then his attempt to broach the mainstream. So he watched uh, Jay and Simon Bob Strike Back. Mm-hmm. He followed it up with a Jersey Girl. <clears throat> Should we uh, start with get, get into the parallax here? Let's do it. I know I look like a There's a gun in the trunk Thank you, this, since this was your choice, I think you should summarize this movie. Oh, God. Let me just open up uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Let's have a look. Uh, so it seems that The Parallax View is a 1974 American political thriller film produced and directed by Alan J. Pakula. Starring such luminaries as Warren Beatty, <laughs> and Hume no one Cronin, else, <laughs> William Daniels, and Paul Apprentice. The screenplay was by okay, okay, bro, okay, bro, okay. David Giller and Lorenzo Semple Jr., based on the novel *The Parallax View* by Lauren Singer. You're going to get into the uh, composer? The plot. Or? Uh, the plot. Okay, so it stars Warren Beatty as a uh, journalist dude. And um, he's uh, going to uncover some conspiracy plot. Please go on. Where a nefarious um, organization is recruiting outcasts and psychopaths as um assassins there's like this big political assassination that opens the film and um it seems like all all, a lot of people who were like connected to that event or witnesses to it uh are dying under mysterious circumstances um and there's um a reporter there who's paranoid that, you know, she's going to be next. And what do you know it? <laughs> and she um, she goes to Warren Beatty, who was also there, to... Uh, and there used to be a, there used to be an item. Yeah. And he thinks she's paranoid. But uh, lo and behold, she dies soon afterwards. So he's like, maybe there's something to this. So he starts investigating and uh, uncovers a conspiracy... And then uh, gets uh, iced at the end. Oh, spoilers. That's the film. No. But what's the verdict? What's the verdict? Do you mean to to tell you what I thought? I'd love you to tell me what you thought. Well, I was was pretty excited to watch this. I feel like I like like this kind of conspiracy thriller, you know? I've heard, you know, this this is a pretty well-acclaimed film. Indeed. Um... In fact, Alan J. Peculia is a interesting director. Like, I've always wanted to watch Clute. In fact, I own a Blu-ray copy of it that I, I've not watched. Um, and I, I would say... I thought this film was good, but I spent the entire time wishing it had been better. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, well, I think... I, I I uh, think that Warren Beatty was 
really miscast. <laughs> I think I did not think he like melt meshed well with like the vibe of the movie at all. Um, and I don't know if that's a, it's probably a minority opinion. Um, but I, I just felt like he was just too much of a stud, you know, I feel like this, I felt like this is, is better if the person who was investigating the conspiracy seems like the type of person who would actually investigate a conspiracy yeah. or get drawn into it. Like, I feel like Gene Hackman's like perfect for this kind of thing. That's why the, that's why the uh, conversation's so good, you know, because he has kind of that obsessive energy. And Beatty's just too much of us, I guess, done. Like every every like female character in this movie, of which there's only like two or three, like either fucks him or wants to fuck him. You know, I felt like I felt like that was a, a, a influence of him as a producer. You know. Yeah, I mean, there is there is the aspect of this film where he's he goes undercover as like an outcast psychopath guy, the perfect recruit for this yeah. shadowy organization. It's like he would ever buy this. <laughs> and I would say like in terms of his performance, it's fine, but just just based on the physical reality of Warren Beatty in that era. Yeah. If I was a recruit of that organization, I'd be like, something's not right here. This guy's yeah, fucking this guy's way too handsome. handsome. Yeah. Even if he was like a paranoid like psychopath, yeah, um, he'd have so many women like throwing themselves at him that you know you'd get over it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying that uh, uh, sexual inadequacy is the root of all mental illness? You know? Exactly. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that that kind of there's something about I thought that I thought I mean this is like you know this is every major American movie does this but I thought the like a studiously apolitical nature of the conspiracy was kind of funny and off you know I think it kind of mm. missed something about real life conspiracies which is like what at the end of the day what is the what does this company want what are their like desires like the people they assassinate you know they don't go into the politics of any of them there's like a suggested that they're like independent from both parties you know it's like okay <laughs> like what do they what is their aim are they just like supplying assassins to like industrial companies and i thought there's like some line about like you know oh you know the cia and the fbi are involved in this they're being kind of used by this evil company it's like okay like <laughs> um so i thought I thought it didn't it didn't quite capture the texture of what a real life conspiracy is, because like, you know, I feel like all the famous conspiracies, there's obviously some political, you know, in game for them. Right. Or some like greater purpose that they serve. And this one is just like, yeah, I guess they're just a corporation. Uh, I mean, I did like the the texture of the film is great. I, I will not deny that. I did enjoy several of like the individual sequences a lot. I liked how it was edited and shot, you know. Mm-hmm. There's something just kind of like again, it was like it was like good, but I just I was like I feel like with a little bit of editing and a little bit of you know a different actor playing the main character, <laughs> and I don't know, like yeah, like Robert De Niro or, or Gene Hackman, I think I think would have been great. Um, I think it would have been would have been better, so. And I thought I thought the music was kind of annoying too. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my review. I know kind of a contrarian uh, take on the parallax view, but that's that's my uh, it's my two cents. Mm. What did you think? Um, I mean, it would it would implicate us in a conspiracy if uh, if our opinions were the same on this film. So <laughs> fortunately, they're not. Um, oh, nice! Wow. I, I think I, I mean maybe maybe there's some similarity, but I think I had a more positive experience than you did, and actually um, I, I mean I wouldn't necessarily classify it as like apolitical per se, but the lack of specificity about the actual conspiracy in mm. this film um, did contribute to a quality that I appreciated about it, which was mm. this kind of abstract quality of, of the entire film that informs um, both the way the plot progresses, but also the way the set pieces are kind of staged and the way it's shot. It's very empty. Like, it doesn't feel like a hugely populated uh, United States. And a lot of the time it's just like Warren Beatty being dwarfed by these kind of massive structures. It did did give it a peculiar kind of uh, surreal feel. I think I, I think I should uh, 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 argue my point a little better, which is that 
it, I, I wish it had been more abstract. Like, if it was something more akin to like the conspiracies in like uh, Paris Blocks to Us or like you know one of Shocker mm. Vets films, I would have liked it more. The fact that they feel the need to like go into I mean, they basically give you reasons why both of the like political candidates get assassinated, right? It's just that the the uh, explanation seems to push it away from a political end as opposed to like drawing you in at all, you know? And I, I would have preferred it just not to have been explained at all, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. I, I, but I think there are some really excellent sequences in this. So, like, I love the, I love the like, uh, weird avant-garde film that they, they they make Beatty watch as part of his, like, recruitment. Yeah, it's <laughs> I thought really that, I thought that was great. <laughs> and, yeah, it had the, and it, it felt like an accurate texture. It's like a, you know, brainwashing, <laughs> mm. you know, video or something like that. And I, I like that it just took over the the film for like a, a like solid like five minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite a sustained uh, moment. Yeah, um, I I kind of disagree with you about Warren Beatty. I, I <laughs> wow. think his performance was actually pretty good. Um, mm. Maybe like you're right in the sense that um, yeah, physically he doesn't really fit the, fit the part. But um, I mean, he initially is like reluctant to believe. The reporter who who is uh, who thinks she's yeah. she's on the hit list, and then he gets kind of drawn into the conspiracy. Whereas maybe like if you're proposing a version where this is Gene Hackman or Robert De Niro, it would see it would more seem like that they were obsessed with the case from the beginning, and yeah. they didn't have to be drawn into anything per se. Because I, I just would have preferred that as the as a narrative. But I love the like brutal cut of her like talking to him in the hotel room and just cutting to her being dead. It's like wow. That's that was great. that was like my favorite part of the entire film. Like it's just so bleak and, and 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 awful, you know. Yeah. And I think the I think the woman who plays. I mean, again, like the, <laughs> there's kind of a misogynist undercurrent to this film a little bit. I think. Mm. Uh, but um, I think the woman who plays like that the reporter is is really good in her like couple of scenes. I mean, I love the sequence that opened the film too, uh, where they saw, shot on like the the space needle or whatever. Yeah, that's that great. was that was yeah. great. That was like incredible. I I, I was I, I thought that was astonishing. And yeah, it, it also features, uh, you know, these like figures in this like you know cinemascope or, or ultra wide uh, uh, widescreen like like uh, image like being dwarfed by the the city and the surroundings, you know, and, and also like like as a natural sort of uh, visual representation of like what that that feeling of, of paranoia and conspiracy is yeah i really think like if it just taken in isolation some of the set pieces are faultless are, are really effective yeah definitely yeah i get uh, maybe yeah, maybe i just was like really tired when i watched or something like that but i just got nothing from Beatty. i just thought he was like a blank like i didn't really i don't, I don't know <laughs> i haven't i haven't seen many like warren Beatty films me either most of the time he actually surprises me in in the sense that sometimes I just don't expect him to, to deliver that good of a performance <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it comes across better than I expected. So maybe I'm overrating him a little bit, but for whatever reason, uh, I usually enjoy him. Like, I think he's really good in McCabe and Miss Miller particularly. I haven't seen it. I'm sure, I'm sure that I would like that of, one. That kind of is playing with his persona. Yeah. So that, and that's I'm sure I would like, uh, casting. I feel like I would enjoy him a lot of Ishtar too. Uh, yeah, which is which is another film that like plays with this persona, if I understand yeah. correctly. But yeah, again, maybe I was just in the wrong mood to to enjoy this. But I, 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 I know it's like solid. I just I just wish I had liked it more. So. I watched one of the featurettes on the Criterion Channel where it was uh, Alex Cox introducing it. Or discussing it, oh, you fucking um, and Alex. he spends ninety percent of the interview just just espousing his views on the JFK assassination. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> so, though, I mean, the real political aspect to this film, even though it like it's it sort of obfuscates the motivate the political motivations for the actual assassinations that occur with it, is the idea of a, a private corporation. Yeah, supplying, like... Yeah. But that, to me, it, it comes from a long lineage of, like, you know, mainstream American movies just being studiously, like, apolitical in a way. Even if they want to be about politics and want to seem like they're talking to, like, making political points, you know? Yeah, certainly. Anyway. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? 
Nope. Okay. Well, uh, should we move on to uh, uh, Burn Hollywood Burn? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do it. Burn. Hollywood Burn. That's right, Mama. Hollywood Burn. Hello, welcome to uh, Burn Hollywood Burn. Yeah, still, um, gotta get a, still gotta get a story, bro. Yeah, me too. But we're gonna start with uh, the box office. Box office hooray. Box office hooray. Box office hooray. Box office hooray. Okay, I got something. All right, so the box so office. The top off box office for the weekend of. For the weekend of July 21st July 22nd. Number one movie in the United States of number America. Number one movie in Australia is, is Thor, no. Love and Thunder. Uh, which earned 44,300. No, sorry, 44,366,910. Where's um, your, where's Thor, your on the weekend and uh, just under two and a half mil. <laughs> Isn't it supposed to be simultaneous? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right, you got a new story for us, bro? Yep. Let's hear it. Paul Haggis sexual assault case dismissed <laughs> by Italian court. Yes! <laughs> Paul Haggis innocent. Bob Dylan innocent. <laughs> Okay, you ready for a mine? Yeah. Jason Momoa teases Ben Affleck's return as Batman for Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. Affleck will also be returning as Batman for the upcoming DC installment, The Flash. Opposite, Michael Keaton played an alternate version of Bruce Wayne. And Ezra Miller. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Maybe they could get T.J. Miller to replace him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the the Miller siblings. Or Frank Miller. Mm. Is there any other Millers? Or um, Miller Time Miller. Mm. I created in the end. All right. Stone away the time. Let's move on. Project time, it's project time. 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 Life is getting crazy. Come and take my hand. We can watch some movies on a voyage of the dead. Get into our, uh, our our voyage to the damn movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hugh, did you remember to assign each of the films this week a score? I'll do it on the fly. Yeah, I also forgot, so I'm gonna do it on the fly too. That's All right. Well, I um, introduced the parallax view, so it's only fair that true. you introduce uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Kick it. Let me tell you something about who I am. My name's Jay. This is my terrible life, pal. Silent Bob. We're gonna have some fun today. We're gonna strike back. Like we never struck back before. Snoochie. Snoochie Gucci. Oochie Gucci Poochie Woochie Poochie So, um, James, <laughs> all right, moving on to Jersey Girl. Okay, 
right here. What the hell is Jersey Girl? So Jersey Girl is a 2004 American comedy drama film written, co-edited, and directed by Kevin Smith. So the first non-viewisk universe Kevin Smith film. Um, this was his uh, play for the big leagues again. So maybe maybe if you could view like Chasing Amy as his attempts to, you know, prove his worth in the American independent scene, or at least as independent as Miramax uh, can get. <laughs> um, but Jersey Girl seems pitched uh, at a more mainstream audience than than Chasing mm. Amy. Yeah, more of a straightforward romantic comedy drama. <laughs> More small. Even though it still has some of Smith's vulgarity preserved, some of not much, but some. Um, it does. It does feel like it's aiming to be more of a general crowd pleaser. So it's a romantic comedy about um, Ben Affleck as like a publicist who uh, is in a relationship with um, his current wife. Jennifer Affleck, then Jennifer Lopez. But no, she dies giving birth to During childbirth. child. Yeah. The titular Jersey girl. And, um, you know, Ben Affleck struggles to try and look after this kid while still being a powerful New York media publicist. And he ends up destroying his career by insulting Will Smith mm. at a Hard Rock Cafe gathering or something. Ah. Some PR event. He has an outburst and it destroys his career. So he has to move back to Jersey and move in with his father, George Carlin. Mm. Stopped hitchhiking and settled down. <laughs> and... Um, quote-unquote, raise his daughter. But really, he just wants to get back to being a publicist. Yeah. And he's a shitty father. And George Carlin is pretty much raising the daughter. Enter Liv Tyler. And um, she's like, wow, this guy's great. And then, but uh, then he, he, you know, maybe he's going to get a chance to get his career back by Jason Biggs, his Previous assistant. Ah, but the big meeting is the same day as his daughter's uh, showcase performance of Sweeney Todd at her school play thing. What's he going to do? Choose his career or his little girl? What do you think, you? What do you think about the film Jersey Girl? Did this um, justify Kevin Smith's decision at the time to close the book on the viewers' universe and embark on a whole new, more sophisticated uh, outing? I'm gonna say no. No. I think I think the thing that I enjoy about the Kevin Smith films that I like is like the hangout vibe. You know, that's what I've grown to like about that. You didn't like hanging out with Ben Affleck, George Carlin, and Raquel Castro. No. And Liv Tyler. You did get you do get some of Smith's uh, trademark vulgarity, but only in dribs and drabs. This is this movie is so fucking schmaltzy, not even in like a, a unpredictable way. Every like beat of the script just feels so like you know <laughs> cliche. <laughs> it just feels like you're watching nothing. Like I felt I felt nothing watching this. <laughs> I just just like it it is like passed in front of my eyes like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What did you, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit disappointing because, I mean, I don't think it's, like, out of character at all, as we know, for Kevin Smith to be extremely sentimental. No. So I can yeah. imagine, like, a version of this film that is sort of much more interesting than this one while still being a very sentimental romantic comedy. Definitely. I think just the, the way the, that it conforms so generically to the standard tropes of the, the genre uh, is, is, is a bit disappointing. I mean, I don't want to pick on child actors, but there is a certain child actor quality that, that Raquel Castro has 
where she looks like a proto. You know how you know how certain child actors look like future dwarves <laughs> probably because they're already like 16 or something because yeah, yeah. they're more mature and they can work longer and their performance will be better so they have like a kind of certain quality yeah. <laughs> about their faces yes <laughs> and the um, performances are, are, are very like slick but like soulless and and that that really affects the film i think the opening I thought was so funny. Like, it was like, you know, it's all these kids reading essays about whatever. It's just like a bunch of normal kids. It's weird that that framing device never, like, comes back. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very odd. I wonder if it just, like, got cut out or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's all these kids reading their these essays. And they're all, like, normal kids. And it cuts to, you know, Raquel Castro. It's just like, well, I'm a child actor, so I'm going to read my story like this. You're like, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty amusing. I, I will say I, I kind of enjoyed Affleck in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think he's pretty good. There's actually a really funny moment that I thought was genuinely funny um, oh, yeah. where he catches, he catches his daughter and another, like, neighborhood kid, like, showing their parts to each other. I did not. I did not think that was funny. And then he has to sit down and, like, uh, have like an awkward conversation with them and Ben Affleck sort of decides to do it in a really strange <laughs> uncomfortable like high-pitched voice that I kind yeah. of appreciated that detail of his performance that was the, the only he, bit I kind of liked on its own terms uh, and then, he, the, then he makes a fucking, the fucking dick size joke to his underage daughter I thought that was so <laughs> yes, weird yes it was great <laughs> but that's Kevin Smith to me yeah yeah <laughs> it should have been more of that uh, but I, I I thought uh, I thought I, I I enjoyed the scenes where he's being a terrible dad. I was like, yeah, he got He's got to sell it. Like in the beginning, when he's like, he doesn't want to. He's just making George Carlin take care of the baby. I was like, this is kind of funny. I kind of like this. It's funny. I, I feel like I've heard from uh, people other than Patrick Williams that George Carlin's really good in this movie. I thought he was like, well, I, I didn't think it was like that good i did like his like no, why you read the fine like he does he does the job that yeah but he's not he's like cast it <laughs> it is funny to imagine the alternate reality where the film was like huge and, and carlin won the oscar for this part because you can yeah. see i can imagine that happening you know <laughs> i did like the bit at the very end where he's like i don't uh, you know i, I want to die alone you know i thought that was kind of nice but mm. it's just it's just felt so it just felt so like manufactured to to play at your like heartstrings, you know. I thought I thought Liv Tyler's character was so strange because like for one thing he, he recycled he kind of recycled the uh, you know the girl who's sleeping with all the guys uh, to do a, a research paper from a mall rat. Um, yeah. And like you know the hip her and Ben Affleck don't like. Uh, they get into they they kind of have a relationship, but then she just starts raising the daughter from. Yeah, that's no that's terribly like, like underdeveloped. What? It just does not work that, that she would so have any like, attachment. There's this there's this terrible scene where they they've barely interacted. They have like a couple of yeah, scenes together. It's so strange. So he's supposed to sell that 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 she's formed some bond with him and vice versa. Yeah. And there's this bit where he's like, uh, he tells her, oh, I'm going back to New York. You know, hopefully I'll get yeah, a job yeah. as a publicist or whatever. And then she goes back into the video store and, like, ducks around a corner and starts, like, <laughs> crying. Goes to the, por- like, the porno section. <laughs> <laughs> you talked to this guy, like, three times. Like, you almost had sex with him once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something you're just off about that that bit. And I, I thought the sweetie Todd stuff was annoying, too. I don't know. Yeah. Um... I did kind of like Steven Root and the other guy. I thought they were kind of like amusing, but I don't know. Yeah, this is this is pretty this is pretty bland. <laughs> it is pretty bland. Like it's insane to me that you would say this is his best film over like Chasing yeah, Amy. Over Chasing Amy specifically. <laughs> or even Quirks. How can you think this is better than Quirks? Yeah. Because there's something there's that- something that, there's something genuine about this. I mean there's like you can see a version of this movie that really taps into like you know, it's oh, it's 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 Kevin Smith talking about Jersey and like what what mm. portrait of Jersey do we get for this? It's like nothing. Like it's like oh, it's just not New York. Like that's a, that's what it's defined as. You know, it's like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will say I did enjoy the uh, Will Smith cameo only for uh, as like a <laughs> just in contrast to his uh, recent public uh, happenings. <laughs> I thought that was it. that was funny. So she talking about his family and just like knowing what you know about how weird his like family life is. I think that's, I thought that was pretty amusing. 
Um, there, there was also a bit that amused me, um, which was uh, the scene towards the end where mm. um, he sort of gets, a, you know, he reignites his passion for, for being a publicist um, by, like, showing off his skills dealing with um, yeah, doing some angry locals at, like, a town hall meeting because now yeah. he's working as, like, a uh, some sort of civic worker who repairs the city or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like a cooperation of many blue blue collar jobs. It's like yeah. you know, he's like a working on the water main. He's driving the sweet sweeper. He's a garbage man apparently. Yeah, yeah, but they like, they like have to shut down a road or something or turn off the electricity. Yeah. I don't know what it was for like three days in order to do a major repair. Yeah. And everyone at this town hall meeting is, like, all pissed off at them. And he's like, well, if only they un- understood why we're doing this, you know, they'd be okay. Yeah. And then it's his moment to, like, step up and, like, win over the crowd and yeah. show that he's actually a really good publicist or whatever. And, you know, that that leads him back to... And it doesn't show any of his speech. He starts talking and it immediately cuts to a montage over a music score of him. And we're just supposed to imagine his really good speech. I'm like... Kevin Smith, you're a writer, right? You, yeah. That's, that's what you're famous for. Isn't this what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> a better a better film would have had, you know, showed his, like, passion for it, you know? It just, yeah. It's just kind of abstract. Like, all you see <laughs> is him, like, like, fucking up, you know, in the beginning. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if there was, if that was just cut out, like he... Yeah, maybe the, maybe the wide speech scenes, and that uh, was part of an original with cut it or something. Then, yeah. Uh. But yeah, th- th- this movie sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Now, anything Jay and Cyber Bob is worse. <laughs> I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, 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 I never like uh, felt the need to like check the running time. Like, oh my god, I have like hours left. Like, it, it goes down pretty smoothly. It's just not. It's just very like bland and nothing. You know. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, should we unveil our rankings for or our ratings for these films? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll what do is it out of for- ten? Out of ten with decimals, yeah. Um, so Jane Silent Bob reboot. Oh, I don't know Strike what, what that would be like a two point one or something. Strike back. Strike back. Two point one. Hmm. Two point one. That's pretty well. I, I'm gonna give it a, a three point five. And it's it. So let's you know, if you're if you're thinking about a, a five point scale that's like one and a half stars or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, again it it's got it's got enough of the enjoyable like hangout Kevin Smith vibe where I don't like hate it, you know. But it still mm. sucks. Uh, Jersey Girl I would give a a four point one out of out of ten. Because it's the the highs are less high the Jay and Silent Bob strike back, but the the lows are less low. But there is is more low, and or it's just it's just like flat, you know. Like it doesn't like I'm sure I'll forget that I watched this in like a week or so, you know. There's like nothing yeah. to about this movie at all. What did what you give it? A four point one. Oh, four point one. Hmm. hmm. I'll give it 4.2. Four point point two. Four point zero. I'll be, yeah. Yeah. Well, that means our average rating so far for... Our average rating for Jay and Tom Bob Strike Back is a 2.8. Mm-hmm. And for Jersey Girl, it's a, f- a 4.15. Do you hear what the average, our uh, average for Kevin Smith is so far at this Let's stage of it. our journey? Yes, I do. I've got to pull up the calculator. Right, divided by six. So right now we're working with a five point five five. That's our average uh, Kevin Smith rating right now. <laughs> so he's on the right side of that uh, that line. Well, for now. <laughs> <laughs> we've he's got just a, got his a head of, water. We got a lot of stuff to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, next week we got Quirks 2 and Zachary Porto. I had to look up his filmography, but I can't believe he goes straight back to the Viewers universe <laughs> immediately after that film. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And then Zachary Beauty make a porno. Which is attempt, his attempt to break out yeah. again, but 
with comedy. It's like, well, I didn't, it didn't quite work with Jersey Girl. So what let's if make I do a, a let's make a uh, what, let's what, what if I do an Apatow uh, <laughs> Apatow esque, and then cough out Red State Tusk Yoga Hosers. The only film that's left, I'm, I'm looking forward to watch Quirks too. We're doing Jane Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie, right? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Just because he didn't yeah. direct it, we could add it if you want to, but I oh, didn't direct it. Yeah. We should uh, only problem. We gotta watch it. Uh, okay, but it will make a one of the episodes have to be a, a three a three movie instead of two, hmm. because uh, right now as it stands, you know, there's eight films left. That's that's four episodes, you know, which is a good. No, number. we we could just do a bone like we could we could go through as we're doing it with mm. with two Kevin uh, films and, and, then, and then do like a bonus episode that includes the cartoon movie, the flying car, <laughs> bunch of other shit. We could, uh, oh, okay, I'll agree with it only if we read uh, Chasing Dogma. What's Chasing Dogma? That's the uh, comic book mini series that connects Chasey Davy to Dogma. <laughs> oh, and if you've got a copy of it and you can send it to me for free, <laughs> I'll read it. I'm sure I can find a copy. Okay, okay, so let's <laughs> let's decide exactly what we're going to do for that. So, Jay and Silent, the bonus movie, the bonus episode will be Jay and Silent Bob reboot, or uh, Groovy Cartoon Groovy movie. movie. Yeah. Chasey Dogma. Uh, the flying car. Is there anything else you should watch for that? Um, let's have a look at his IMDb quickly. Oh, we could watch the uh, documentary film Quirk. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe those three things are enough now. Yeah, that'll do. Okay, that'll do. Peak. Okay. Um. I gotta say, the only films I'm looking forward to out of the remaining Slater Corks to a Jay and Silent Bob reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna like Jay and Silent Bob reboot now that I've got, like, you know, I, I've, I've developed some affection for Kevin Smith. I've got the, you know, and I get, I get it now. Alright, uh, episode over. Goodbye. Bye. Gucci, 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 Gucci,